God is doing and what God is saying in our midst. You, yes, there's five people in the room that are excited about it. Are you excited about engaging this year? That's right, that's right. If you missed any of our um, series or the, the series or the first session from last week, you're welcome to check it out on our app. Make sure you download it from there as well. Uh, but also you can find it on our YouTube channel, etc. Um, friends, this is, I believe, a very significant season for us. And I, I want to start off by asking you a question. Who of you today, you don't have to put up your hand, okay? It's an inside question, answer it for yourself. Who of you would say that you at some point in your life made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Okay, many of you would, would probably say yes to that. But I want to ask another question. Who of you, when you made that decision, when you chose to believe in Jesus, you said Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, I believe that he is God incarnate, he came in the flesh, he lived, he dwelt amongst us, he lived a sinless spotless, pure life, became the sacrifice and the ransom for you and me, died through crucifixion, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and then on the third day rose and gave birth by the power of his Holy Spirit to his church. Now many of us would have had that experience, but then there's another part to it. The second step that perhaps many of us haven't taken yet is that from that day forward, from the moment you made that decision, you have consciously and intentionally lived your life in such a way that you would follow, obey, and seek to, to become more like Jesus in every single way. Many of us, myself included, my experience was, at a young age, I made that decision. But then my life didn't really change. Nothing really happened. I tried a few things, but I lost my way, and then eventually I'll come back again. Who wants to give their lives to Jesus? Recommitment, come to the front. Lord Jesus, I've been far from you. I want to come closer to you. I want to make a decision for you again. And this happened many, 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 many times because I believe we have, many of us have been exposed to a culture that says the gospel is about you making a decision. But the gospel is not about a decision. It's about, it starts with a decision. But then it's outworked towards becoming like Christ. I'd like to draw a little picture for you that might help you understand what I mean. So this is you and me. You can see the fasting is doing its work. We are, we are nice and in shape. So here we are. You've made a little decision to follow the Lord Jesus, okay? You've made the choice, but now you believe that the goal of your life is to reach this place. What is this place? This is being close to God, getting close to God. So the reason why you make the decision is because you feel far from God, and you believe and you hear that if I give my life to Jesus, if I make a decision, then I will be one step closer to God. And this is the beginning of the year. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, so I'm looking at this year, and I'm saying, Lord, so this year you've come. Okay, I'm going to do some things that are going to help me get closer to God. What are those things? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to church more often than I did. So church there. Okay, hey, fasting. Uh, the church is fasting. I'm going to fast. I'm going to give up 
social media, you know, that's a tough one to give up. Let me give that up. Or coffee or tea or many of us saying, I'm going to give up food altogether. I'm just going to... I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to spend time in God's Word. I'm just going to drink water. Some of us, you go, okay, I'm going to pray more. Um, hey, I'm going to join a light group. I'm going to get into community because I realize I can't grow by myself. I can't get closer to God without being in a community. That's what they tell me all the time. So I've got to get into a light group. Go on an outreach. Uh, give of my money, my, my talents and my treasures, all of the things God's given me. Um, serve. Go on, you, you know, do all of these things. And as I do those things, maybe one day I'll get closer to God. But I, I, I want to fully in. I'm pretty sure this has been your experience. You set on in this journey, and then you, you, for the first week or two, or month, or years, you're going to church, and you're fasting, and you're praying, and you're doing these things. But now you stop doing those things. What happens to us? We move that way. In our hearts and in our experience. We move far from God. So then what do we feel like every single time? I need to get closer to God. Let me make another decision. Let me make some changes to my life in order to get closer to God. Friends, the problem with this approach is that it's not what the Bible is about. It's not what the gospel is about. It's not what discipleship is. not what following Jesus is about. This is focused on self. This does not impact anyone's life, does not replicate anyone, because if I have to look at your life, and if someone had to look at my life in certain seasons of my life, they say, well, if, if I've got to follow him like he follows Jesus, then, I mean, he, doesn't, he, he does this yo-yo thing over and over. He, he never gets closer to God. Making this your pursuit of discipleship, friends, will not help you hit the mark, because this side of heaven if you and I are in Jesus, if we are followers of Jesus, we're never going to stop reading the Bible. We're never going to stop praying. We're never going to stop fasting. We're never going to stop sacrificially giving. We're never going to stop doing that because that's what Jesus taught his disciples to do. But we don't do those things to get closer to God. This is what we do. This is the gospel, friends. The cross is there. You make a decision for Christ, you are placed in God's presence. You come close to God. You are no longer separated from Him. You are no longer required to, in your own effort, do, 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 do to get closer to God, but rather Jesus has done everything He needs to do to put you and I in His presence. And I'm praying that, for instance, this week I've been praying. I was asking the Lord, please, Lord Jesus, let this drop in our hearts. We no longer need to pursue trying to get close to God. What we want to pursue is not closeness to God, but we want to become more aware. We want to become more aware of His presence. Because God is always with you. He's always, he's always present, friends. And our pursuit our prayers, our worship, our, our reading God's word is about increasing in our awareness of him. And I'm trusting as I share with us today that you and I will be liberated, will be set free. As you come into this year, you'll never ever believe the lie that, that the enemy would tell you or that the people around you would tell you that you're not close to God if you've made a decision to follow Jesus. Because friends, our pursuit no longer centers around self. We become like Jesus. This point here, it's Christ-likeness. We want to become like Christ. What does that mean? What did Jesus come to do? 
He came to lay down his life. He, he came for others, friends. Other people. So my life pursuit is no longer towards my own life, but actually how does what this happening here in my life impact the lives of others? And so I want to speak to us today about walking in this way, about discipleship. I want you and I to engage in God's path called discipleship. Friends, if this is God's pursuit, if this is why Jesus came, that's why our mission statement as a church is that so that people who are far from God can become the light of Christ. We don't exist so that we can go to heaven and get close to God. We exist so that others can get too close to God. If I've experienced God's presence and I've been saved, I've been redeemed, then the fruit of my life should impact others around me. And I'm trusting as I share with you today that you and I would recognize some of the key things we can do and how we can live. So we want to engage in God's pathway called discipleship. So I'm going to speak to us about three signs of a disciple. What are the three things that if you and I had to take stock of our lives, what does that look like for us? The first one is that a disciple feeds on the Holy Scriptures. Disciples abide in Christ's Word. This, friends, this is where we live. Jesus spoke to the Jews, he said in, in John 8, verse 31. He says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my Word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in me. That is what disciples do, friends. You know what I, how I know what you're abiding in? Very simple. Put you under some pressure. Put you in a situation where you feel, yo, man, something is happening inside of me. And what comes out of me? What do you speak about? Some of you, that what's coming out of you is Instagram and Facebook and News 24. You're abiding in those things. You're abiding in the political situation. You're abiding in your circumstances. Even in your sin, you're abiding there. But God wants you and I, as disciples of Him, to abide in His Word. Friends, disciples don't just read the Word to learn the Word. We read the Bible to learn obedience. Friends, that's the point. I know too many believers. They've been saved for 30, 40 years. They can tell me the Greek, the Hebrew... They can tell me the context, the history, but when I ask them, when last have you shared your faith with another believer? Ah, it's just no, I, I don't know, I can't remember. God's not called me to do that. He's called me to teach the church. Too many of us live and we know the word, but we're not living the word. And the point of abiding and becoming more aware of Christ, dear friends, is that we would say every time I encounter something in God's word, I'm not asking and saying, yes, that's a really nice point. I'd love to share that next time I see somebody. But rather, how am I able to apply it in my life? And it's very simple, friends. If you come to one of our life groups, you'll find every single week we ask this question. What command did you need to obey? What from the scriptures have you felt God speak to you about saying that you need to change? Because if we're not changing, friends, then what's the point? Because if we're doing that, friends, then it's a yo-yo. We're up and down. Then I'm doing it, then I'm not doing it. But I'm then trusting, Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm confronted by these things, and I need to 
grow in what you have said. We learn obedience. Jesus himself as a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. That's why when Jesus speaks about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, all authority of, in, in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I send you out as my disciples to do what? To make disciples of others. What is a disciple? It's a follower. It's someone that leaves their life behind in order to stay close to their master. Listen to the word, friends. Lord and master. Not friend. Not life coach. Not my motivational speaker that's going to get me through the day. Oh, I just need to get that one little scripture. Oh, it got me through the day. No, it is about lordship of Christ, friends. And for many of us, as you're sitting there, you're going, Yo, Kareth, I haven't been living that. Friends, you're looking at the guy who's been struggling. This is an ongoing struggle for me. Because the hardest person to lead, the hardest person to disciple is me. And therefore, I disciple, I, I abide in God's word that he may teach me. We have so many people in our culture today. The church is about learning more things. Another course and another, another seminar and another thing. But friends, we're not living the, the word. And for us as a church, as we engage in this new year, we're going to be disciples who abide in God's word. So that what comes out of our mouth is God's word. When we look at situations, when we're confronted with sin, friends, I, I, this time in this, this fast, God has been dealing with my heart. He's been dealing with my life, and I'm, I can see unhelpful patterns of thinking and actions, escape, and oh, all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, Lord, I don't like it. You, you're dealing, you, you, it's like surgery that's being taken place. But I'm so glad because when I realize, when I'm abiding and I'm aware of him, friends, I don't, I don't have to do these things in my own strength, friends. You, I don't want you to hear I must do more. I'm, I want you to become more aware of what God is doing in your life. Discipleship does not mean that we learn the Bible. Discipleship means that we learn obedience. And so I want you to understand that the Word of God is a sword. This is what we fight our battles with. If I'm confronted with a difficult situation, I'm like, Lord, give me a word. Give me an understanding. As a pastor, I'm often called into difficult situations. Sometimes I've got to discipline someone. Sometimes I've got to step into someone's deathbed and, and trying to console the family. Other times I've got to just recently last year I had to do the memorial for a, for a young teenage girl who I didn't know. I, she wasn't a believer. Family weren't believers. And I'm like, Lord, how do, I, how do I handle this? How do I speak into this, your word? Because your word is a sword that goes ahead of me and helps me to know what to say. God's word is also a mirror. James says this, we can't read this and walk away the same. Just like when you look in the mirror. You know, all of you look like you've done your Sunday best today. I think a mirror was involved. Just like you every single day are looking into a mirror. You and I need to every single day look into a mirror. And the point of it is, what adjustments, Lord? What part of my life am I not doing right? But what part of my life is not like Jesus yet? And that will be an eternal um, pursuit for us. God's word is a lamp. You know, a lamp, if you walk with a lamp, if you ever walked with one, it's not, a, it's not like those big solar lights you get, spotlights, the whole world knows that you're coming. A lamp is just enough light for the next step. Just enough light for the next step. God's word is just enough light for you and I in this year 
You might not know what the future holds, but as you abide in His Word, He's going to give you what you need when you need it, because you're abiding there. The Word of the Lord is also honey, friends. Oh, yes. God's Word is so sweet. Friends, yesterday I was, during this fast, I was having all sorts of cravings. I wanted to eat anything. I was just like, oh, Lord, I need to eat something. And I, I got myself together. And I just said to my family, listen, just give me a minute or five or 20. I don't know how long it's going to take. But I just went to the scriptures and I let it just, just wash over me. And the Lord came and he ministered to me. He was sweet to my soul. And he fed more than just my soul. Friends, God's word is that. But I want you to understand, friends, the point of God's word is not more knowledge. It's about knowing a person. You will find Jesus on every single page of this Bible. When you go through the chronologicals, many of you started the, you know, the book of Numbers, and you check all the, all the different genealogies. This one was the son of that, was the son of that, was the son of that. Jesus is even in that. Why is he, where is Jesus in that? Friends, if God chooses to pick people's names and their families in the Bible, it means that God really does love and prioritize and care for people's names and families. Meaning, he knows your name, he knows your family, and therefore, you can trust in him just like those families did. Friends, at every page, Jesus is on that, um, you know, he speaks to us. I love the story that, that Francis Chan, Chan tells, it's a little illustration, it didn't really happen, but he says he walked into his daughter's room one day, teenage daughter. I've got a, a preteen at the moment, I'm learning how to navigate things. And he walked into a room, and it was a big mess. Clothes everywhere, in my car. And, and he said to her, listen, clean your room. And he left and went about his day. And later on the day, much later in the day, he, he popped in there, and he found her sitting on the bed. The, the room was still a mess. So he asked her, what was, what's going on? What's going on with, with this? She said, well, Dad, you know, I really value your words. What you say to me is really, really important. And so, so I, I, I sat and I spent some time really just thinking and meditating on what you said. Clean your room. I, it, was, it was just a, a profound thing for me. And I even invited some of my friends and, and we, we studied the, the words together. The meaning of the verb clean. And we found that, that it has many different things. But in essence, it means that you, 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 you put things right and you, you take, remove dirt and you put things in order. And, and we also even said, you know, this word, your, that this blew my mind. It meant me. You were speaking to me. I couldn't, I felt so touched that you were speaking to me, that I'm so important to you. And, and room, you know, it's, it's a place. It's, it's where things happen. And, and we just were so profound. I, I even memorized it. I, I, I made it even look, I framed it. I put it up on my walls. Your words are so important to me, Dad. To which he replied, clean your room. <laughs> Friends, we approach our time in God's scriptures in a very similar way. Encountering, memorizing, doing those things. And those things are really important and they're helpful. But that's not the point. The point is doing and responding to what God has 
said, friends, it's, it's possible for us to love the word, but ignore the author. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they love the word. They tied it to their foreheads and their arms. They quoted it. They lived it. But when the author preached up, what did they do? They nailed him to a cross. Your nature shared that scripture about um, Philip. Philip preached the word to those people, and they would, they would not receive it. Because knowing it was more important than knowing the one who wrote it. Our pursuit in God's word is about knowing a person. The second um, sign of a disciple is that this disciple follows the Holy Spirit. Because this is really important. I need you to see this. When Jesus was here in John, uh, uh, what Mark 1, 17, it was our scripture for last year. It says, he called out to his disciples to come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So they became his disciples. They followed. They walked with him every single day. They experienced. They ate with him. They dwelt with him in his presence every single moment of the day. And then in John um, chapter 16, or 14 verse um, 16, it says that Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, a helper who is like me to be with you. The Holy Spirit to you and I today is what Jesus was to the disciples in the flesh. Every single moment of the day, we abide with him. Every single moment of the day, we're aware of him. We're walking with him. We're enjoying his presence. And our responsibility, our response is to learn how to stay in step with him. A few years ago, I, had to, I went to Johannesburg. With, um, we were part of this ministry school with Mark. And, and we, we decided to go visit some churches in, 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 in Johannesburg. And, uh, and I didn't know Johannesburg at all. And Mark knew the place, so he was driving in front of me. I was behind him with my little Mazda 1300 with too many people in the car than they were supposed to have been. Sorry, Lord Jesus. But uh, so we're trying to follow these guys. And Mark, I think, forgot that I was following him. Because he was driving all over the place. And I'm trying to keep up, and I don't know where to go. And I'm stressed. And, and then, then what happens? A, a car comes in front of me. And I can't see him. And I, I've got to do my very best to get down that 1300 to whatever gear I can get just to get past these people. And it was a stressful thing, but... In that whole experience, I could not afford to take my eyes off of him. Following the Holy Spirit, friends, is very much the same experience. We cannot afford to take our eyes off of him because he's leading us to places we haven't been before. You're not aware of what God's taking you into. And you and I need to, every single day, dwell in his presence. Drink from the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, come and fill me. Come and lead me. Speak to me and let me understand and know you disciples are anchored in the word, and they constantly follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Friends, that is where it starts. We, we abide in the word, but we can't just have the word, because I know many followers of Jesus that know the word, but they don't have the Spirit. They don't believe that the Holy Spirit is working. And friends, we have to open our hearts to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. We don't want to just hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. We want to also heed to what he has said, as Angie so beautifully shared with us in our New Year's message. Friends, the price of intimacy is not fellowship with the Holy Spirit, but obedience to the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? I know many followers of Jesus. They are extremely aware of God, what God is saying to them. They can tell you, I've just spent time with the Lord. 
He gave me this vision. I had this picture. The Lord told me this. He told me that. And mo- many times I'm amazed at the accuracy and, and just the, the power of God at work through that person's life. But often I ask the question, how does what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you impact the people that God wants you to impact? Someone once had this very amazing experience. They were praying one day, and, and God brought to their mind a, a, a friend who, who was actually, he didn't know, but he was struggling financially. He was really in a difficult space. And what was interesting is God told him as he was speaking that there were certain details around his, that they needed rent money and, and all sorts of stuff needed to happen. And, um, and, and, and God told him that he should pay the rent money. So he went to this friend and said to him, yes, you know, the Lord showed me this morning that this is what you're going through and this is your situation. And he, he gave him all these details and the two of them rejoiced at the fact that he knew all of these things and they prayed together and thanked God that he had revealed it and then they parted ways. Three days later, this man who had received all of this information kind of had a wake-up call and he realized, oh, God told me to pay, to pay. I was the solution to the problem. That's why God revealed it to me. Not so that I would know details and information, but that I could do something about it. Friends, when you and I are abiding with God, we've got to ask, Lord, why are you sharing this with me, and who do I need to share this with, or who is going to be impacted by this? Because that is what truly disciples do. So we are led by the Spirit. Thirdly, friends, we are disciples Disciples follow their master's example by laying down their lives for others. And this, friends, this is really the only, this is the real fruit. This is where it really, the tacky eats the tar. Because I know many people that know the word. I know many people that work, walk with the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to loving people, laying down their lives, sacrificing, maybe uh, being in a place where they need to address certain aspects, they choose not to do that. They disobey God's leading. I love what um, Rick Warren says. He says, A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. There's a lot of great things in there. But a great commitment, if you and I are committed to the great commandment and the great commission, we as a church, as we engage in God's pathway for, for discipleship, we will see God impact and transform not only this city or the city of Potchefstroom or other surrounding areas, but the nations of the world. That's what we want to see, friends. That's the point here. If the world doesn't change because we're here, then why are we here? And so much of, of, our, of our conversation and thoughts here, we ask ourselves this question, how am I doing in my pursuit of getting closer to God? When we should be asking, how am I doing in loving and caring and reaching out and serving and following Jesus' example and the people that God's placed in my life? You've got a co-worker at the moment, far from God, struggling. God wants you to be salt and light there. He wants you to pray for them. He wants you to share with them God's word. He wants you to encourage them. You've got family members that need to be encouraged and need to also be brought into the light of what God has done. 
your love for them proves that you are God's disciple. But also our love for one another actually proves that we are disciples as well. That's why the great uh, commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love God, love people. And friends, that's what we have to embrace. That's why, why, that's why Jesus says to us, when you're offended, not if, when, you deal with your stuff. How do you deal with your stuff? Oh, no, no, I just avoid. I go tell everybody else about how this person's hurt me. But Matthew 18 says, no, if someone's offended you, you go and speak to them yourself. If they don't want to listen, you take another mature person with you. If they still don't want to listen, you bring it to the elders of the church that we would help you through this process because God doesn't want this unity to happen in the body of Christ. Friends, unforgiveness and bitterness cannot stand. And can I dare I say, some of you maybe have come here today from another church in our city. You're checking out some things. Can I say to you if, you, if this is the Lord leading you, make sure that you have sorted out your issues. Because if you meet with me, I'm going to ask you. Because we are committed, friends, to following Jesus' commands. We love one another and we love the Lord. We see that if we can't get it right here, friends, I mean, Jesus spoke about this in John 13, verse 35. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. As a community of faith, friends, we're engaging in this pathway of discipleship, which means we love one another unconditionally. Does that mean that we don't ever address some things that are not good? It's because I love you that I'm going to address things. Those of you that are married, the reason why you clash, especially that first year, is because there's some stuff in you as a husband that's not good. It's not helping the relationship. isn't helping this scenario. And God wants to work it out into your life. So therefore, you've got to change. You've got to make adjustments. Someone has to put it out for you. Friends, we need to forgive, but also we need to correct one another. But when we correct one another, many people have said to me, when I've had this conversation with them, they'll say to me, oh, but Gareth, you guys are so judgmental. How can you look at my life and judge me like that? Friends, I have a commitment to you. If anything in my life does not align with this word, you have full right to address me. And if I ever, or any of our eldership team, or any of our leaders ever addresses anything in your life, I want to give you the assurance. I I won't come to you with my opinion. I won't come to you with my preference. I'll come to you with God's word. Because it says in, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a person in the spirit of gentleness, each one of you looking at yourself, so that you too may not be tempted. We don't cast judgment on, on others saying, yeah, 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 look at that. We first look at our own lives. And if we are willing to come under the same standard as a church, I believe God can unlock the life of God because this place will become irresistible to people. 
Because if God's love dwells amongst us, and there's trust, and there's a sense of, I can speak to you about things that you're going through, and some things that are unhelpful, and you're willing to receive it in the spirit of humility, and we together are not becoming like City on a Hill Church, but becoming like Jesus, you're not coming like Gareth, you want to become like Jesus, then, friends, this world will be transformed. And so, friends, as I close for us today, I want to just remind us and, and, and pray for us and say, Lord Jesus, help us to be a people that no longer pursues trying to get closer to you, but first and foremost, know that we're with you. You're in us by your Holy Spirit. And the pursuit of our lives, our disciplines, and our love, and our care, and what you say to us, is aimed at becoming more aware of you, that we may impact the lives of others around us. Because that is what discipleship is, friends. That is what brings life change and transformation. And I, I want to start off by saying to some of you today, genuinely, you, you've lived here. You've recommitment, 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 and you're still not close to God. Today, I want to encourage you and ask you and give you the invitation to make a decision again. Yes, a decision is needed, but the decision is different. You're no longer going to, to want to get closer to God, but you're rather going to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And that means new master, new governor, new life altogether. If you go to university, you can study a particular area of, 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 of you know, field, and you can become an expert in that area, but your whole life can, become, can, be, can fall apart. So many of us pursue our lives like this. I want, to get, I want to know more about God, but the rest of my life's not being healed. If you trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, He will transform every part of your life every one of them, completely. And if that's you today, if you feel like, yes, I, I need it, just, I haven't been living here, but I've been living here, I, I want to ask you to just for a moment, just stand there where you are. I know it's a bold step, but if Jesus is Lord of your life, then nothing really matters. His opinion matters. If that's you today, can I ask you to stand for me? I'd love to just pray with you. Thank you so much for those brave people. Can we give them an encouragement? Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Lord Jesus, I just let's pray for these people together. Lord Jesus, we just pray for them right now. That from this moment onward, in their very soul, in the depths of their heart, they would know that they know that they know that they're in you, Lord. They no longer have to strive to get close to you, you have come close. Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, that you today seal them. But also, Father, that you call them into a pathway of discipleship, saying no longer living for myself, no longer trying to add these things, do, 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 but rather to be in your presence as they live in your word, as they live from leading of your Holy Spirit, as they live to love you and love others. Thank you, Father, that you seal them right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. You may be seated, friends. Friends, I'm going to ask Malcolm to come and share with us. Yesterday, as I was preparing, he didn't know what I was, you know, fully, completely what I was going to share on, but he shared a very significant prophetic word that um, I, want to, I want him to release over us. And even for you that are watching online, 
I believe this is going to minister to you uh, as, as we set ourselves and our hearts towards engaging in this pathway of discipleship. Thank you, Maddie. You can come up. Thank you. Before I share, can I just give you a very quick encouragement? Maybe you are not fasting. Won't you consider this week, even if it's one day? You know, I find fasting hard. <laughs> I do. But it, it is, it's so powerful, friends. Maybe you want to say, okay, I'm going to give this week a fast. And, and come and speak to some of us and say, how do I go about it? Because, friends, it's part of God's plan, and it's very powerful. Yesterday afternoon, Jill and I went to have our little nap. Well, she's napping all the time. She's in the bed all the time. Anyway, um, but I, I never dozed off, and I started praying. And as I started praying, I, God just um, gave me a word. You may remember last week, um, there was this encouragement that I shared. Jesus is my Savior, but is He my Lord? And then it came up again on Tuesday night at the prayer meeting where, where God gave me a little bit more. And I felt God saying, I want to draw you into a sphere. I want to draw you into a, an area where you will encounter me as Lord. And I was, I, was, I was engaging with God and asking him, Lord, what are you saying? How, how does this all work? And then this word came to me yesterday afternoon. Um, I've been asking God, how, how do I adjust more to your lordship? And I felt God say, will you allow me to shape you for my purpose? Will you allow me to shape you for my glory? Will you allow me to strengthen you, to sharpen you, and send you? I feel God is stepping up the program this year. It's going to be a sending year. And some of the most unlikely people, I believe, are going to be sent. And it may be you. I believe it's going to be a year of training. And the picture that came to me was the picture of the blacksmith. The one who tempers and hardens and shapes steel on the anvil. It's the one who, who puts the weapon into this hot furnace, pulls it out, puts it in water or oil or whatever the tempering is going to be. And I believe that God is wanting to, to strengthen us, to fortify us. He wants to sharpen us but it, it means going into the furnace. And in the furnace, all the rubbish is burnt off. And in that place of heat, as we surrender to that heat, God does a tempering, strengthening work. And we become like steel. That is not just steel. It's forged steel. It's hardened steel. And then to be sharpened. I felt God saying, I will fortify you. It'll cause you discomfort. There will be pressure. But I'm training you to go into the world with my gospel. I believe this is a call to surrender to the Lordship. And I had no idea what, what, 
Gareth is going to be preaching about, and I sent this to him at about half past four in the afternoon. Will you surrender to my training program? And then the scripture came to me uh, from, from, the, from David, where he said, It is God who trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. Now a bow, a bow of bronze, uh, an ordinary bow in that day was made of wood. But a bow of bronze was a bow that was fortified with bronze. And bronze is very rigid. It's not even like steel that bends easily. Bronze hardly bends. And so a, a special bow was made, fortified with bronze, and it took great strength to pull this back. But, but David said, God has trained my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. He strengthened me so that when I pull this fortified bow back, the arrow goes further with more velocity and more power. And that's the sharpening process of the Lord. It's harder to pull back, but there's greater distance and there's greater, greater velocity, impact. I feel God says, friends, it's a time to deal with our complacency. We cannot afford to be complacent. It is time to rise up and much of what Gareth has shared this morning. Friends, come into the place of reality to wake up and, and say, God, I want to be part of your mission. And God will direct you, maybe in your work, in your family, amongst your friends, and then to send you out further and further, impacting the world with the gospel. God wants us to hear this word today. I want to commit myself to you, Lord. I want to surrender to your Lordship to be sharpened, to be strengthened, and to be sent for your glory. Friends, can we, um, can we stand together? Just for five minutes more. I believe this is a, a word that, that for many of us probably is cutting into your heart. It's also exciting you and it's, it's giving you some hope and vision of what God can do when we live ourselves fully and wholly yielded to Him. And so let's respond uh, to Him. And just a quick, just before we finish off, just to remind you, someone has lost their phone and um, if you find it, please take it to the media desk. Let's uh, respond together. Thank you, team.